This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome to Friend of Maryland. My name is Kat Pauze, and this is a fat-friendly space. Today on Friend of Maryland, I talk about the new issue of the Fat Studies Journal on fat activism. I chat with Alina, an Indigenous Program Coordinator and fat activist, and I spotlight a piece from Bettina Judd about fat, phobia, racism, and white supremacy. It's always exciting when a new issue of the Fat Studies Journal is published. Fat Studies is an academic journal that's published by Taylor and Francis, with the editor-at-large being Esther Rothblum. And it used to publish two issues every year. Um, and in academic world, basically, like, um, it's, you know, one volume one, issue two, volume one, issue one. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, um, Esther made the call to expand it to a three issue issues per volume. So basically three issues per year, uh, because of all of the great scholarship that was, was coming across her desk. It's very exciting. So this most recent issue is uh, volume 10, issue three. So this is the last issue to be released in 2021. And this is like most of uh, the issues of the journal have become in the last few years, a special issue, meaning that it's dedicated to a specific topic under the field of, of fat studies. And this special issue is dedicated to the topic of fat activism. It was guest edited by Stephanie Snyder and Jason Weitzel, and it has a lot of really exciting articles from um, fat activists and fat scholars from what it looks like to be uh, around the world. I won't go through all of um, all of the titles and all of the pieces, but some of the ones I'm most excited about, um, we've got a piece here entitled Feeling Good as Hell, Black Women and the Nuances of Fat Resistance. We've got one revealing, revealing Brazilian fat activism through visual arts. Uh, we've got um, fatness, friendship, and corpu allyhood. Uh, and then I think the one that I'm probably most going to start with for me is entitled Cultivating New Fat Liberation Movements, Growing a Movement Ecology with Fat Rose. Many of you would be uh, familiar with Fat Rose, the group um, that has been doing some really great work, especially around COVID and hashtag um, no body is disposable. Um, so it's a new issue that's available online. If you ever want to get access 
to the Fat Studies Journal and you don't have access because um, for whatever reason, please let me know, like reach out and say, hey, I'd really love uh, to read this article and I'll be very happy to download it for you and send it. Uh, that's our little secret, of course, I'm not supposed to do that. Um, but I'm very keen to share Fat Study Scholarship with anyone who's interested in Fat Study Scholarship. So please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Joining me today is Alina, a member of the Navajo Nations. She is an Indigenous Program Coordinator and Fat Activist. Alina, thank you so much for coming on Friend of Maryland. Thank you. Thank you. So um, tell me about the activism that you're involved in, something about Fat Acceptance Friday? Yeah, so um, I work at a university and we decided um, we wanted to do something. Um, I work at an inclusion center. And we realized that um, fat and body image was not something that we hit on at the Inclusion Center. So that's where that started, um, having Fat Acceptance Fridays. Yeah, and that's probably kind of common, right? Like so often uh, with programs around like kind of equity and stuff, oftentimes Mm -hmm. they talk about a lot of different things from like sexual orientation and like maybe gender identity and um, racial and ethnic culture and stuff. But for some reason, like bodies but especially fatness it's usually missed out isn't it oh yes all all the time and it affects every aspect of our students lives and not only students staff and faculty as well so did you find like when you kind of put that on the table were the rest of the uh, center were they um receptive to that did they think it was a good idea oh yeah they were really excited um especially um one of my co-workers and we kind of co-collaborated on the events um yeah so tell me, kind of set the scene for me, um, if I had been a student uh, at the at the university where you were putting this on, like, what was Fat Acceptance Friday? Yeah, so um, every Friday um, for about two months, we had an event. Our kickoff event was we had um, Fat is Not a Bad Word, uh, where students got grab bags, and um, we just gave them out um, flyers about why fat is not a bad word, and just loving your body, and also... Um, showing how being fat is kind of the um, smaller group within the body acceptance and kind of explaining why we didn't do body, you know, love your body or all bodies, you know, our all bodies matter. People. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> we wanted to talk about the most marginalized people is fat people in that. I mean, two months of like Friday programming around fatness, like that, that's incredible to me. Like I, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm so jealous that, <laughs> That I couldn't have been, you know, kind of a student in that space. What kind of responses did you get from, you know, from the students, from the larger campus population, from even maybe the larger community? Because I know that quite often in the States, you know, universities, especially if they're in smaller places, like the community is quite involved and vice versa. What responses did you get? Um, I think it was mixed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair. (laughs) We had a lot of really good response from students, especially especially students who identified as fat. Um, And even um, we had a lot of men who came who had larger um, partners. And so they didn't know how to navigate that space and talking with their partners and didn't even tell their partners they were going to this event. But it really helped them in that discussion. Um, bringing it up with their partners. So I was kind of shocked about 
you know, the wide spectrum of people in the event. I mean, we had a lot, some negative stuff, especially on Reddit. (laughs) Um, We had signs stolen and taken down um, for the event by people. Um, And so it just gave me more empowerment that it made people think um, in the events that we had. So, I mean, I just have to ask, like, did you have any kind of well-intentioned, well-meaning nonsense around, oh, but you're, you know, glorifying obesity oh, or, yeah. And surprisingly, <laughs> um, I had a lot of emails from people who identified as fat, who said, you're glorifying being fat and, you know, you're, you're not going about it the right way. I shouldn't be happy that I'm fat. And so, you know, we kind of had discussions on the emails about why are you feeling this way about yourself? You should love yourself. You're beautiful how you are. So I just, you know, it was just amazing. <laughs> I mean, it sounds amazing, amazing, Alina, and truly like I'm so jealous. Do you mm-hmm. imagine kind of going forward, not that you would necessarily put on like a two month long, you know, kind of series of programs again, but do you think that going forward, the, um, the inclusive program uh, group that you're part of that now fatness will always be you know something that's kind of in the slot of something that you guys consider and talk about and have programming about moving forward Mm -hmm. yeah so this semester we're having um two events um so we're having the fat is not a bad word again and then we're also having fat yoga um and then for spring is when we're really going to roll out a little bit more events um for that just because our fall is pretty packed and I mean, Alina, I, you know, I have to be honest, I've never been to Utah. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know really kind of much or anything about Utah. Um, are there quite a lot of fat activists around you where, where you are in Utah? Or are, is it, you know, kind of you, like you and your, the co-coordinator that I'm hoping to also be able to get to have on the show? Um, is it just kind of y'all and you're doing your thing? Or would you say that there's a, a pretty decent size number of, of fat activists who are, who are active in your area or even across the state? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, because we live in, our, the university is in a rural city. Um, so there's not a lot of <laughs> people here. Um, I say just my <laughs> my um, department, but we also did collaborate with a um, small business here um, called Moonbeam Apparel. Um, and her message is, you know, she carries plus size clothing in a rural area is just even in That's that. That's awesome. Yeah. So we partnered with her getting gift cards and um, having be someone be a Moonbeam model. Um, and so just creating those partnerships with them. Yeah, that's really fantastic. Um, Alina, I would imagine that there are people who are listening um, who uh, might be in Utah. And so they, you know, might want to, um, you know, make their way over to, to future events that you do. There's probably also, though, even more people who are listening who would really be interested in, like, not like replicating or copying, but, you know, taking the best practice from the kind of work that you've been able to do on your campus and maybe be able to do something like that similarly on theirs. What advice might you give those people about kind of how to, how to get started? What kind of pitfalls maybe to avoid? Any suggestions for them? I think probably don't be scared. (laughs) Is to, yeah, because we had, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, we had a lot of people who said a lot of horrible things. And just those good stories of people saying, wow, 
you know, I feel accepted here at the university because I seen a fat acceptance event happening. And, you know, we went towards an academia side too. We talk about decolonizing fat. So talking about cultures that don't view fat as something bad. Um, And then we did like fat eating. We talked about fat love. Um, We had the virtual fashion show. And then we did some, you know, space events um, that were um, size inclusive. So fat snowshoeing, um, fat yoga. Um, Yeah, I would just say just be bold because everyone's going to say something and you'd rather just be happy in what you did (laughs) rather than not doing it. Yeah, I totally hear you. Um, so, Alina, if, if there are those people and they want to maybe get in touch with you or learn a bit more um, about the Fat Acceptance Fridays, uh, is there an online presence for this? Where can they go? Yeah, um, so they can go to our social media on Instagram. So it's USU underscore inclusion. Um, and so that will have all of our events um, for Fat Acceptance um, for this semester happening. And, you know, all of our events that we had, um, had a Zoom element in it, um, just because it was happening during the pandemic. So all of our events, even the um, fat is not a bad word, we have some social media aspects on that too. Oh, fantastic. Alina, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I feel like I've learned a lot and I'm super excited to come to Utah now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I, I, I wish you and the other people doing the important activism work that you're doing in your space, just all the best. And I'm so excited about what you guys are going to do moving forward. Thank you so much. And thank you for your work in fat activism as well. In the spotlight today is an older piece from a website called Patient Poems. This is a website that's maintained by Bettina Judd. And so I'm assuming that Bettina is the author of this post entitled, Fat Phobia is Rooted in Racism and White Supremacy. Quote, Modern fat phobia emerged in America during the 1800s in response to industrialization and globalization. But its broad cultural appeal rested largely on racism and white supremacy. White Western scientists in the 1800s categorized people into social hierarchies on the basis of their distinguishing characteristics, including their relative fatness. Unsurprisingly, they placed white Europeans at the top of the social hierarchy, and their distinguishing characteristics, including their relative thinness, were deemed to be signs of civilization and cultural, moral, intellectual supremacy. In contrast, black people, the indigenous peoples of North America and Australia, and many other non-black peoples of color were placed at the bottom of this hierarchy, and the physical characteristics attributed to these groups, including relative fatness, were deemed to be signs of primitivity and cultural, moral, and intellectual inferiority. Thus, it became essential for white people to maintain a thin physique to distinguish themselves from other primitive races and to physically embody their own racial supremacy. Furthermore, because fatness distinguished non-European immigrants and poor people of color from rich white people, 
any discussion of the social, economic, moral, and medical harms of fatness became coded language for discussing the problem of the uncivilized races. This coded language is still in use today. For example, the obesity epidemic is used to blame mostly poor people of color for social ills ranging from global warming to economic depression, and weight loss is prescribed to to solve health problems more logically attributed to poverty and systemic oppression. Fat phobia was born of racism, classism, and white supremacy and continues to service these oppressive systems today. Never, ever forget that. End quote. Thanks for listening to another episode of Friend of Maryland. Friend of Maryland is brought to you by Manawatu People's Radio, triple nine AM. If you'd like to contact the show with questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions for topics or guests, you can email us at friendofmaryland at AOL.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Closing the show is gossip with love in a foreign place.
fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. 